Welcome to the Health Pulse podcast. I'm Dr. Connor Delaney, CEO and President of Cleveland Clinic, Florida. My special guest for today is Dr. Philip Bongiorno. He is a cardiothoracic surgeon with us at Cleveland Clinic, Florida. Dr. Bongiorno received his medical degree from the University of Michigan Medical School, and he's been in practice for more than 20 years. Philip joins us today to talk about two very special patients, Carmen and Susan. Both women made remarkable recoveries from their lung cancer diagnosis, in large part due to the latest advancements in robotic assisted surgery, in addition to Dr. Bongiorno's knowledge and expertise. Thank you again for joining us, Philip. It's a pleasure to have you back on, and we're excited to learn more about Carmen and Susan. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be with you. So let's start with Carmen's diagnosis and treatment. Uh, she's been a Cleveland Clinic patient for 18 years, I understand, ever since she moved from Venezuela to Weston. She was diagnosed with renal cancer back in 2016, but she was brought under your care for lung cancer treatment in 2019 and again in 2020. What can you tell us about her case that would be interesting and, and illustrative for our listeners and viewers? Yeah, uh, this is not an uncommon patient for us. People that have her diagnosis of renal cell cancer, their primary cancer can be successfully treated, but they get put into a surveillance program. The renal cell cancer has a propensity to spread to other sites. And we got involved in her care when her oncologist detected that she had a new lung lesion in her right lung. The suspicion was that it was spread from her renal cell cancer. Um, I think this is these are brave patients because they get put in these surveillance programs and they get scan after scan. And I think they're always on pins and needles waiting for it to see. But we follow them closely because we know that that's not, that's not the end of the story. We can successfully treat those um, metastases. And so when she came to us, we uh, had a suspicion and we offered her an opportunity to have it removed. That's great. Well, as a colorectal surgeon, obviously, I've had many patients in those surveillance programs. And you're right. I think it's, there's a lot of trepidation around the time of having a scan done and yes. what the result is, even if they're feeling well. But fortunately, this was found and you were able to do something. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of the technological advancements uh, that you were able to utilize in her treatment and care. Yeah. How did well, her treatment in 2019, for example, compare to 2020? Yes. Yeah, so in 2019, she had a 10 millimeter, um, about a, you know, one centimeter, half inch lesion. We did what we call video assisted thoracic surgery. It's a, a minimally invasive approach. We were successfully able to remove that cancer with clear margins. And she spent two days in the hospital and she recovered from our point of view very well. Um, improved over a week or two and was, was able to resume her normal activities probably within that first month. And for this, for this patient, she actually remained in the surveillance program. And just a little over a year later, she was found to have another even smaller lesion in the opposite lung. Right. And we offered her the same opportunity to have it removed. And by this time, we had a couple of new technologies with us. One would be the ability to do this robotically um, and also the ability to market with ICG. So these, these tumors are so small that um, you may not even be able to see it when you're in the operating room with your with white light. Um, and with the robotic technology, the access is so limited, the surgeon can't even put his finger in to feel it. So we um, had her go to the bronchoscopy laboratory and we marked 
the lesion that's seen on the CAT scan with fluorescent dye. So in the operating room, we use our robotic system, which is, I think, the least invasive, has the least amount of pain and discomfort for the patient. We were able to see the tumor fluorescing with the dye marking, remove this even smaller lesion, seven millimeters, and um, we were able to successfully remove that second metastasis from her renal cell cancer. Um, gratifyingly, she was able to go home the next day. So I don't know if one day versus two days is the whole story though, because I think even she went home a day earlier, but she felt so much better. And I think we see people back pretty quickly after surgery. And, and within that first week, um, I think she felt like she was recovered and she was just, you know, on to the next thing without really any uh, change in her lifestyle or ability to carry out her, you know, day-to-day -day activities. Yeah, that's, that's super. And I think, um, you know, these technological advancements really are changing changing how we do things. So maybe just for viewers who may not be familiar with video assisted thoracoscopy and robotic thoracoscopy, what, what do these kind of advancement mean for her recovery time as, as, as compared to former types of surgery and older, maybe not older because we still need it sometimes, but open yeah. surgery, for example. Yeah. Open surgery, which we call thoracotomy. This is an incision between the ribs and it involves a fairly large incision. We use retractors to spread the ribs apart. And this can be pretty traumatic on the, on the uh, chest wall. It's associated with significant amount of pain in spite of pain medication and, and various like local blocks that we can do. And those patients would traditionally spend about a week in the hospital. You know, maybe some people would go home a little bit earlier. Um, and then we're often writing narcotic pain medications for the you know, ensuing weeks. And uh, realistically, we would tell people, you know, going back to work, we're, you know, let's just kind of see how you're doing in a month in about six weeks. But with BATS, the video assisted, we really start by putting a camera through a very small incision and then using small incisions, long instruments are able to um, do basically or very similar operations. And we try not to really change the actual surgery, especially when it comes to cancer surgery, we do the exact same process. Um, and I think that was a big, a big uh, advance. But the robotic technology, I think, is to the next level where the ports are even a little bit smaller. And the robotic system allows us to use very fine instruments. I call them micro instruments. And the cameras that come with the robotic system are incredible. We have a three-dimensional field with 10 times magnification. Um, and the way the robot moves the instruments, there's a much less stress on the chest wall. So I think we really see that and the patients feel better um, and you know, quicker and quicker recoveries, less time in the hospital, um, and I think that's, you know, the patients really enjoy that. Yeah, that's super. I think it's been transformational. And if you think about um, the same for, for us in colorectal open versus laparoscopic surgery, and you have these, you know, 12 inch, 18 inch long incisions versus a, a two inch incision, it just revolutionizes recovery. So the second, second case is about Susan. And Susan's a 71 year old Naples resident who after receiving results from her PET scan, found out that a cancerous tumor had developed in the upper lobe of her lung. After performing her own research and speaking with her own physician, she decided that robotic surgery would be the best path forward for her. So could you tell us a little bit more about her case? Sure. I think one of the most interesting things from my point of view is when I first met her, she was in Alaska and we did a Zoom call. We did our virtual visit and she's on a 
deck with these beautiful flowers overlooking the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> it was like something out of a movie. And uh, that was really one of the first times I think I've ever seen somebody literally on the other side of the world. Um, but we you know, discussed her case. I was able to review all her images um, and pretty much make a decision. Her uh, pulmonologist in Naples, um, we've worked with him uh, many times. And so it was uh, very easy to get all the testing and everything done. So she returned from Alaska and uh, came to Weston for um, her treatment of her lung cancer. Yeah, that's super. So technology on two levels, both the surgery uh, and the virtual care. Yeah, I think really... Um, being able to do video visits with patients has transformed how we can look look after them, especially when they come from a distance and we can change yeah. their pre-op care and their post-op care as, as, as you alluded to, but it's important right. for people to know. So again, maybe talk about some of the benefits of using robotic assisted surgery and how that impacted her recovery in, in, in turn. In, you know, lung cancer, I think is a tough diagnosis, but for some of our patients, they're, they're at a have a small tumor that has a very good outcome with surgery. And that was definitely this patient's situation. And so we were able to do a lobectomy. We removed a tumor that was about three centimeters, not small. Um, and everything went extremely well. We used our robotic system. Um, she did very well in the hospital. I think because she lived in Naples, I probably even keep her an extra day. So on the third day after surgery, I was able to send her back home. Um, she she had a very smooth recovery. And then again, we see him back pretty quick. And so I think a week after surgery, we saw her again in the office and maybe a little bit to my surprise, she like drove herself from Naples. I'm not sure that I would recommend that, but she was just carrying on uh, in her normal fashion. And she's a kind of a mobile person. She drove herself to the office and, and uh, she's done well ever since. Yeah, it's great. And I think one of the big benefits for patients is they're able to come off opioid or stronger pain medications just so quickly so they you know they sometimes can drive and do things that they might traditionally have done yes uh, absolutely yeah we, we've been able to manage people and they take tylenol only after minimally invasive surgery it really revolutionizes revolutionizes their recovery so philip what would you say then are some of the kind of summary key takeaways uh, for patients who might be listening to this uh, from the two cases that you've described for us well i think that um I'm excited as a person that's done surgery for a lot of years that we're continuing to progress. And I think in you know, 2022, we offer the best surgery that I've ever seen in my career with the opportunity for patients to recover well. Um, we are taking on you know, the toughest cases and able to treat them um, in a minimally invasive fashion. And even though I, I deal with a lot of serious conditions, I think that the uh, prognosis has never been better um, in, in regards to all these conditions. And I think that I'm always impressed how people around the country, around the world are working hard to sort of make this, you know, the situation even better for our patients. Yeah, that's true. I think we are, we're certainly making progress. So what do you recommend then for any listeners who may have a similar situation to either Carmen or Susan with a, a metastatic or spread from another cancer or a primary lung cancer? What's, what are the best steps for them to take? Well, um, Obviously, I think to keep a good attitude is important. And then to uh, seek out an opinion that they're comfortable with. I think that sometimes there can be more than one way to treat this, but certainly we're happy in our thoracic surgery department at Weston to see people uh, virtually or in person um, if they're coming from a distance. 
virtually seems to you know really be convenient for people. We give a lot of a second opinions, uh, but I think um, optimism and and don't think uh, that you know uh, things are a lost cause because I think a lot of times we can do things when when it, it looks a little bit tough sometimes. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point that you raise and um, being optimistic is important and I think the second opinion side of things is really important because you and your team are obviously very experienced and you do a lot of very high-end very complicated work and teams that aren't as experienced may think that it's not suitable for surgery so I, I think that concept of getting a second opinion whether it's virtually through a, a video visit or whether it's in person um, is really important and that's the first step into getting the right treatment from the right kind of experienced team. So Philip, I want to thank you so much for your incredibly valuable insight into these cases. Hearing about experiences like these, I think really helps us understand the real world impact that some of these latest advancements in medical care have on our patients' lives. I want to thank you again for your time. We really appreciate having you on the team and having you here on this podcast. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, to our listeners, to learn more about cardiac and thoracic surgery care at Cleveland Clinic Florida, please visit us at ccf.org, clevelandclinicfoundation.org, so ccf.org. Join me next time on our next episode of the Health Pulse podcast. And be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss our latest episodes. Thank you. Thank you.